Um, yeah, I mean, what a great message there already of showing up and using your gifts. Um, youth, I wanted you to be able to hear that because you guys are, uh, you guys have gifts. God has created you special, and you are not the church of tomorrow. You're the church of today, and um, uh, so we want you to know that as well, too. Youth, you can go ahead and uh, go to your time of teaching now. I didn't forget you, leaving you over there, but um, if you're in grades 5 through 12, we have a time of teaching for them out there. They can go with their leaders, um, so have a great morning, and um, we'll be in here in our time of teaching. And uh, so we're going to open our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians, which is in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, if you need a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you a Bible. You can also look it up uh, on the app. Um, there's a Bible function on there. Um, you can look there. You know, uh, sometimes we do this kind of digital paper thing. Some of us aren't too sure about the, the digital um, you know, I'll tell you, I prefer to have a paper Bible myself, and if you want a paper Bible, uh, again, you can put up your hand and get one of those, or you can take one off the tables when you leave, but I even know as a pastor, I, I don't always have a Bible with me, but I do always have my phone with me, um, and so it's a way of having God's Word with us all the time, and so that's why I want both digital copy available, but if you want a paper copy, we'd love for you to have that, however it allows you to, to get into God's Word. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's on page 821 of your Bible. We are in this series, Ignite. Um, this is week three of our Ignite series where we are talking about the fact that God has created us for a purpose. Uh, we're talking in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. says that we are God's workmanship, uh, that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared long ago for us to do. And we believe that we want to understand that deeply. Uh, we talked about the fact that God has given us specific callings in our lives. And uh, we've been talking about this young guy, Timothy, uh, in the book of Timothy in the Bible, and how he was facing some discouragement and how he wasn't fulfilling his calling. And so um, the Apostle Paul wrote to him and said, fan into flame the gift that is in you. Uh, and so we're talking about fanning into flame um, these gifts. Uh, today we want to talk about the topic of being shaped, okay? Because when God calls us, he also equips us and shapes us to fulfill that calling in our lives. And God has uniquely shaped each one of us to accomplish what he has called us to do in our lives. Now, there's two types of people in this world. There are those who love doing puzzles and those who do not love doing puzzles, my wife falls into the category of she loves to do puzzles. I fall in the category of I, I don't love to do puzzles, um, but my wife loves to do puzzles, and I love my wife, and therefore I do puzzles. All right. Um, that's a good little marriage tidbit there, okay, just on the side. Um, so we get doing these puzzles, and when it comes to sitting down with my kids and doing puzzles, you know, kind of like the 24-piece ones, I'm pretty, I, I excel at those. Um, but uh, my wife brought home this puzzle, um, Cinderella's Castle, and um, so we've been doing this puzzle, and there's some parts, like the signature down here, like I can find those pieces. The, the moon, I, I can find that piece. But um, so I, I brought a picture of where we're at currently after... Um, probably a couple years here. Um, there it is. So you can see there's some big dark spots that are kind of hard to fill in. 
and where you really have to kind of shape and find these. And what really frustrates me is in these jigsaw puzzles, they cut the shapes that are just slightly unique enough that it almost fits, and you think you have it, and you're feeling good, and then um, you realize, no, that's, that's not the piece that goes there. And, and uh, so it, it can get a little bit frustrating, but um, we're still working on this puzzle and uh, spending good time together as husband and wife, as we do. Um, but the reality is that God has uniquely shaped each one of us. And God is putting us together like a, a mosaic or like a puzzle, uh, building us all together into an image that reflects his glory and that advances his kingdom. And God is glorified as we come together and in unique ways come together into this whole that is all about his glory. And God has uniquely shaped you for your calling. Your calling is one of those pieces in that puzzle. God's doing all kinds of stuff in the world. And he wants to use you, and your shape is part of filling in those gaps. God has uniquely shaped you to be a part of what he is doing. Now, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about it this way, not about puzzles, but in verse 12 it says this, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. He points not to the puzzle, but he points to our own bodies, which we're all familiar with. Um, and we know that the different parts of the body have different shapes, different functions, different places that they belong, um, and, and to make up our bodies, which our bodies are about one thing, living. Um, and we, like the parts of our body, come together and are, bar are about Christ. Diverse forms, diverse functions, um, but situated together for one purpose, and that is Jesus. Continuing in verse 14, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Now, as we look at these verses, we need to see where it begins. And it begins with all of these I statements. If the foot were to say... I'm not part of the body. Or if the foot were to say, I'm not a hand, and so I'm not as valuable. And, of course, feet and hands don't talk, but we do. And we talk in, in our hearts. And what we're saying is many of us do this. We say, because I am not this, or because I am not that, or because I'm not as valuable as this person or that person, we tend to lessen ourselves. And where this imagery takes us, in the beginning with these I statements, because we need to hear this. Because if we don't understand that I am an important part of the body, even if I don't feel so, even if I don't think my gifts match up with somebody else's, is because you're unique and because you have a unique function. And you cannot say, I'm less than. Because when you do, what it actually does is it, takes away from the glory of God. And it leaves 
holes in what he wants to do. And so where we need to begin is to say that, you know what, I have been shaped by the creator. I have been given a purpose by almighty God to fulfill his plans. I am valuable. I am special. Now, I'm not taking this to the point of like, we should self-worship or self-glorify ourselves or that it's all about me, me, me. But what we believe about God is that he thinks that you are special, that you are valuable, that you are important. And so if we believe what God says, then we need to believe some of those things about ourselves. The image of the body continues and it shifts a little bit and says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Our unpresentable parts are treated with great modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. It shifts from just saying, okay, I need to see myself as valuable to you can't say to one another that any is less valuable because you're all in this together. And so not only is it about seeing ourselves differently, it's about seeing one another differently as valuable in part of what it is we're all about. You see, we look at these passages, what it comes down to is this, that there is great diversity among God's people. Great diversity among us. But there is also a great unity, a singular unity that is all about Jesus. And that is what we are about, all about Jesus. When we look at each other and say, it's about me, then we get uh, that diversity really kind of rubs us in a lot of ways, right? But if it's about Jesus, we begin to value one another. And the third thing that we need to understand here is not just that there's great diversity and singular unity, but that we need to understand this. We need to know about it. We need to appreciate it. We need to value it down in our hearts deeply. One of the things that I get to do a lot here is uh, pre-marriage counseling. And one of the things that I always say is that you are bringing two very different people together. And that's going to cause some difficulties because in our nature, we are selfish people. And in marriage, we like to put the toothbrush where we want to put the toothbrush. But if we stay committed, if we keep our eyes on what it is all about, then we can begin to appreciate one another. But ultimately, we need to value one another. See, what we need to understand and grasp in the church is this, because it's not just in marriage. It, it is in the church as well. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12 goes to 1 Corinthians 13, correct? 1 Corinthians 13 is the passage we love to read at weddings because it says love is patient, love is kind, love is, love is, love is. But there's a reason that this comes after 1 Corinthians 12. It's because after talking about diversity, man, we need to understand love. And so what we need to understand as followers of Jesus, not just about marriage, that these are scriptures about the church. It's about how we live as God's people. 
And so we need to know the differences that we have. We need to begin to appreciate the differences. Now, I think theologically or theoretically, we, many of us appreciate the differences. Maybe we've read these passages and say, oh, yeah, we love diversity. It's unique. But when we get down into it, we don't like diversity and differences very much. But we need to move beyond just simple appreciation to actually valuing what God is doing and how he has uniquely shaped us all to be a part of it. So last week, we really kind of centered in on the fact that um, we are all about one purpose. It is about God's glory and advancing his kingdom, about advancing the gospel of Jesus. When we talk about calling in the Christian church sense, um, we're not just talking about doing good things in the world. We're talking about God's glory, being about his glory. Um, today, I want to focus a little bit on this diversity, the, the shaping that we have um, so that we can know about, we can appreciate, we can value it both for ourselves and who God has made us to be because if we don't understand this about ourselves and appreciate and value our differences and we're constantly comparing to others, then we demean not only ourselves, but the glory of God, his image that he's placed in you. And if we don't appreciate it in others, then, man, we're just a bunch of people going in different directions rather than advancing God's kingdom together, building one another up. And so today I want to talk about five areas that God shapes us. And you got a handout in your way, on your way in this morning. Um, if you didn't get a handout, put up your hand. I want everybody to get one of these. Uh, I want everyone to have it. I know some of you say, well, I don't take notes. I'm not that type of person. I value you. I love you. Um, today you need to have one of these. And uh, so uh, we're going to go through some of these areas of, of shaping. I think uh, keep your hand up. They're getting around to you. Uh, if we happen to run out, then um, we have some more on the digital app as well. Uh, we'll get you one. Um, but I want to go through some of these areas. Now, what we need to know is that today is really more of a visionary message. I wish I could come before you today and say, hey, we've got this all dialed in as, as a church. Uh, but today I want to present to you uh, kind of the vision for, for what we want to be, that we don't just want to build, uh, we can't build, because um, it doesn't work to have cookie-cutter Christian people in the church. We, we want... Discovery to be a place. I have a dream that we're, discovery is this place where we are getting passionate about the gospel. We're learning about Jesus, his grace and his mercy in our lives. And we're becoming passionate about Jesus. But then also that we are learning about ourselves and being trained up, equipped in how he's gifted us. And that then we are beginning to serve in this world in the calling that he has for us with the shaping that he's given us. And whether that's here in Discovery or whether that's going out uh, to the kingdom, to, to the nations, wherever that may be, into the workplaces, that wherever it is that you go knowing how God has created you to go. So I, I long for Discovery to be that place. Um, but what I've also realized is that I... God has kind of given me the vision to bring. I can, I can stir our hearts in this. Um, but I can't, make, I can't do it. That This is actually an example where we need to come together. We need to be on this journey together. We need to start using our gifts together to see this become a reality. And so what we talk about today is really just kind of the, the next step in moving forward. And um, so 
as we continue to grow who God has called us to be. And along the way, you're going to have questions say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, kind of like kids uh, in, in a, a van on a road trip. Um, and we'll say, well, we're not there yet, but we're journeying together to get there. And so I hope that you'll take this handout. I hope you'll uh, learn a few things and understand a little bit more about how God has called you. This week, um, we're going to email and social media out um, kind of another resource that takes us to another level to work through. This is kind of uh, just, just an example that we're getting going, okay? So let's go through how God has shaped us. I want to give us five areas. Number one, uh, Fred already did a great job at introducing. It is our natural abilities. Psalm 139 says this, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has formed our innermost parts before we were in our mother's womb. He knew us, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. How wonderful are your works, O God, I know them full well. That we would be able to exclaim that, knowing how God has put us together. Our natural abilities include all those natural and learned talents, skills, and strengths that you have. So what are they? There's a blank there that you can begin to put some on there. Maybe it's something like photography. Maybe it is something that we typically see in the church like singing or teaching. But the problem with us in the church is we often go to just kind of the, you know, kind of those ones that are are up there a lot. Okay, if I can teach, then I have a place in the church. If I can sing or play guitar then I have a place in the church, and you do. If I can care for kids, then I have a place in the church. But what if I don't have those abilities? What if I have an ability, like example, some of these things here, uh, building, okay, constructing things. And you don't want me building things, okay? But some of you have the ability. Some of you have ability with cars where uh, you can come and you can serve people uh, that have a need um, in that area. Computing, computers, keeping uh, up with our technology, uh, connecting, organizing, visualizing, writing, all of these things. And that's just the beginning. On the resource I send you this week, there's going to be a further list of abilities. Think about it. What ability do you have that God has blessed you with? Whether you had it from the time you were born or whether you've learned it along the way, God wants to use that ability for his glory. Not just to go out into a workplace and bring a paycheck home, but for his glory. So think about it a little bit. What are your natural abilities and skills that you have? I am thankful that Fred takes our pictures. Not me. I think I brought a picture of John Riker photography. (laughs) You know, that doesn't capture the beauty and the glory of the Haiti mission trips very well, does it? You know, so we need those different gifts. It's not just dependent on a few people. I mean, some of you will even look at this brochure right here and say like, man, this is hard to read. It's not organized well. It should use this and that because you're that type of person. This is what you get with me. Okay, and hopefully it's readable and hopefully a good start. Okay, but we need other gifts to come in. When we talk about budgeting, man, we need some, some of you are great with finances. You see uh, the picture, you're able to do it. Man, we, in order to do what God has called us to do, we need you. God wants to use you with that ability. Somebody, we need, as we grow as a church, better organization. How many of you have said, man, I haven't felt followed up with, I haven't felt cared for. Uh, you know, like Fred said, I looked at the webpage and it could have been better. 
and most of the time, I'll tell you as your pastor, it's not that we say, ah, we're satisfied with it. We think we're caring great. We're following up great. No, it's because there's only so many hours, there's so much energy to pour into what God has called us to do, and we desperately need people to step forward and to use the natural abilities and skills that God has given. Some of you are excellent at these things. We need you. God wants to use you in your natural abilities. Secondly, it's kind of a fun one, personality. Personality. Again, God has wired each one of us in our DNA. Do you, I, I teach biology, the complexities of our DNA, how he has pieced together each one of us on a molecular level that comes out in not just the color of our hair and the color of our eyes, but our personality. And, I, you know, here's where it gets kind of fun because we generally don't like different personalities. If we can just get honest, right, they rub us the wrong way. Okay, if you're more of kind of the quiet type, you look at those that are always talking and say, man, would they just shut up once in a while? Or you look at those that are kind of creative, spontaneous, and you say, they're just so unorganized. They're always last minute. I'm getting an email the night before. And then we frustrate each other. And so we can just be honest about that because they are the differences. But again, we need to understand them, that God created us that way for a purpose. We need to appreciate them and we need to value them to say that God wants to use us to be a better team together. We see this in our budget conversations. We're talking a little bit about budget today. So, I, I mean, budget takes, there's the mix of faith and wisdom, right? There's the planners and there's the, hey, let's go take the mountain for God. And it's like, okay, well, let's crunch some numbers and is that realistic? And so we have some good conversations that by God's grace, he does that so that we end up in a place where he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. We work together in these things. Mark 12, 30 says that we are to love the Lord God with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, with all that we are. We are complex individuals that God has knitted together in a specific way. We need to value one another in that. Um, if you've worked out in the workplace, um, most of us probably at some point in our life have taken something like a Myers-Briggs, um, and I've, I've put a, a website for that in your handout. Again, we'll send out some more information that talks more about what our different personality types are so that we can understand why we do the things that we do. A lot of us encounter frustration even with ourselves um, because we're not being who we are. And um, we also tend to, especially in this culture here, we value a certain type of personality. Uh, especially in Davis, which is very kind of achievement-driven, we value the A-type achievers that plan it out, that get it done, and sometimes that leaves people in the church who are more spontaneous, more creative, um, not an opportunity to use your gifts, and sometimes you feel like there's not a place for you or you have to fit this personality, and that's not what God says. We need to understand and comprehend one another's styles, the personalities, because God knit them together. And I'm thankful. Uh, my wife and I are like, we've learned we've, we're very incompatible with each other. Uh, it's only by the grace of the gospel that, that we, are, uh, we are in it together. And we've learned to value and appreciate. Um, but it's taken a lot of things. But what I always say is, and you would not want a church that's run by single John. Because uh, I'm no fun. 
I, you know, I'm stiff and I'm intentional and everything is about business. But I've learned over the years that God has shaped me even through bringing somebody alongside. I said, hey, you have to lighten up a little bit. You have to have fun. You have to be a little bit more spontaneous. Uh, and God works in us that way as we continue to appreciate each other. Um, so personality. We need to grow in that. Number three, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because uh, we just did a sermon on the, back in the fall on this. Spiritual gifts. You can go on our webpage. You can read about this. But what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, is that about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. Because each person has been given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God living within them for the common good of the body that we would be built up. And what that means is not only do we have the natural gifts that we can do by God's common grace, but he supernaturally gifts us to do that which we cannot do in and of ourselves. That if you are a follower of Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit who brings gifts that allows you to do much more. I can teach. I teach biology lectures. I can't remember the last time it's ever changed anybody's life. I can teach. I can do PowerPoints in my natural abilities. But it takes the Holy Spirit of God coming in to work in our hearts. Whatever your gift is, to infuse with the holy supernatural power of God. If we want to do the things that we can do, let's do them in our natural abilities. If we want to see what God can do, Let's depend on his ability. We talked about spiritual gifts. I'm sure a few of you stepped forward to find out about them. But the response was virtually not there. Which means that we probably walked out of here a little bit inspired about the Holy Spirit and about gifts. But we didn't take the next steps to actually learn and to discover how it is that God has supernaturally gifted you. Let's not be that church Let's not settle for what we can plan out, what we can get done. Let's depend on what God can do. And so this week, again, you will hear about next steps for spiritual gifts, connecting with a leader to discover how God has gifted you, to begin doing some things in that, to begin growing in that. Let's pursue who God has called us to be, not just walking out inspired, but let's get down to being who God has called us to be. Number four, our passions. What? do you love to do? What do you love to do? The book of Psalms says, guard your heart, for from it come the wellsprings of life. Watch your heart with all vigilance, because from it flow the springs of life. And oftentimes, we think that coming to Christ means leave your passions at the door. Come, sit quietly, sing a few songs, maybe get a little bit passionate about those songs. Then go out Monday and live out your other passions. But we are passionate people. I know that you're passionate about something. There's something that stokes your heart, that breaks your heart, that, that you love. And maybe you've never thought of it as a Christian, God-loving thing before. Some of you, I know you're into sports. You play sport. You spend all of your hours thinking about sports. You're into sports. You're passionate about it. But you feel like, well, I need to be just kind of reading my Bible in church. Rather than asking, God, if I'm passionate about this, this is a passion that you have placed within me. How do I use that? 
Some of us are passionate about different causes. Some of us get passionate about history, get passionate about science. There are people that do that. Um, we get passionate uh, about these different things. What is your passion? What do you love to do? What people do you have a heart for? There's a list of some varieties of people there that some, you may say, you know what, I really love kids. Or you want to know what, I really feel for those who are struggling to get pregnant. Or I look at the homeless and my heart breaks for them. What are the people that you want to serve? What are the causes or the issues that you feel really strongly about? That's a passion of your heart. Pay attention to what's in your heart because, yeah, there's some bad things. We're not saying just be kind of passionate about whatever. What I pray for my kids at night is that they would not be any less passionate, but that God would guide them and direct them and sanctify them in that passion that their passion would be for about glorifying him and whatever he's placed in their hearts. Whatever you're passionate about, how could you use that to glorify God? What could that look like? If you're passionate about working on cars, how could you maybe look to serve people through working on their cars? If you're passionate about art, what does God want to do in you, using you in the church or beyond that? What does that look like for you? What are you passionate about? And as we, we come together in those passions, um, there are some things that when you come to the church, we'll say, you know what, that is exactly what we need. We have people who are struggling with addiction. We have people who are struggling with sexuality. We have people who are struggling with whatever the issue may be. And you're passionate about that. Here's how, we, here's how we're going to put that into play. Here's how we're going to do that in discovery. We'll help you find that track record. There may be things that you say, you know what, that doesn't really fit who we are. Well, let's help you help you use what God has placed in your part. Let's train you up so that you can be doing that out in the world, get you in a position where you can use that passion. Let's not say, ah, let's find a different passion for you. No, because God's wired you that way. We are passionate people. We need to be passionate about what God has called us to. The final fifth thing is this, our experiences. What good, bad, and ugly experiences have you had in your life? There's plenty of biblical precedent, precedent for this. Think about in the Old Testament, the guy named Moses, who God was going to use to lead his people um, through the wilderness for 40 years. What was his preparation like? 40 years of shepherding sheep in the wilderness. There was Joseph in the Old Testament, who uh, God wanted to use to save his people from famine. And so Joseph was actually betrayed by his brothers, thrown into prison, sat in a prison cell, uh, and was through a series of dreams, able to elevate to a high level in Egypt so that when the famine came, he was able to set aside, through God's wisdom, provisions, not only for Egypt, but for God's people to lead them through that time. God works through our past experiences. The problem is sometimes it's hard for us to see them in the moment. So we need to think back a little bit. What good experience has God given you? What spiritual experiences? How's God worked in your life? Some of you would say, you know, worship is, is it for me. You know, when we are seeing, I see God, God speaks to me. You know, God wants to use you to bring that experience to others. Some say, you know what, when I was sitting alongside in a mentoring relationship, that's when God spoke to me and helped me make these decisions and lead me through that. And you're, you, you have a heart for that. God's giving you that experience so you can use that. Or it's the teaching, it's the preaching, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, but God wants to, to use you to build up those things. Those good experiences, the, the education that you've gotten, 
or that you are getting now. God has you in a season of learning. He wants to use those degrees to somehow serve him. It's not wasted time. He wants to use that. He wants to learn that, use that process. The ministry experiences you've had, some of them have been good, some of them have been bad. You've served before, not just in other churches, but in this church, and it's been a miserable experience. You were not cared for. You were burnt out. And so now you're just saying, you know what, I'll just come and sit. No, God wants to help you learn from that experience, to be wiser in that, to maybe realize you were serving in a totally wrong spot. Let's look for a new spot, but don't give up. Let's keep refining until we focus in on what it is. Because when we serve in the way that God's created us, that is where our passion, that is where our purpose comes from. Some of us have had awful experiences, ugly, ugly stuff in our lives that we've walked through, that we've done, that have been done to us. nothing in the place of hurt. I want to tell you, God wants to use those things. I'm thankful, thankful for my story where God has led me. I'm 37 years old. He led me through a ton to prepare me to start pastoring at 27 years old. He laid a solid foundation in a Christian home because he knew that I would become a preacher at 27 without going to Bible college. He let me wander away in my college years to go after a life of drinking and alcohol and sex and being a student athlete that felt like a failure because I didn't achieve because he would call me to be a pastor in a college town where there would be people who this past week slept with their girlfriend, who were drunk and passed out, who woke up again with a hangover, who feel like failure that they're not reaching out. And because today you need to know that the love of God and his grace is there for you. He brought my wife and I 3,000 miles from New York to come to grad school in UC Davis and go through seven years of grad school because, hey, lots of you are in that position. And I can honestly say I've taken the oral exam. I've gone through the studies. I've written the dissertation. Hey, let's talk about that and go through that. Uh, I know uh, having a wife who is far from home and feeling lonely and struggling to connect and to come in as God was preparing me to pastor. He led me to lose my dad. I don't know that he led me, but I went through that period of losing my dad and then losing my wife's dad in a period of two years when we were in our young 20s because many of you will walk through grief or are walking through grief and you can't possibly pastor through that without having gone through it yourself. Tough, tough circumstances. Going through marriage in a way that was filled with depression and counseling and almost going our separate ways so that we could be prepared for those of you who are young married. Having four kids because, you know what, that's where God is shaping my life to be able to lead us through that time. Now, so if you have one kid, I can resonate with you. If you have two kids, I can resonate with you. If you have... If you have three, I can't really because we jumped right from two to four uh, and had twins. So uh, I can't really talk to that transition. But um, God shapes us in our experiences. And he leads us through everything we've been through. And we wonder, how is God going to use this? But he does. He does. 
first you may need to come to a place of healing. And if you're in a place where you're just angry about God, you don't just say, well, I'm going to go try to counsel other people through this. No, you come to a place of healing. You seek God, and then you see how he leads you to not only invest or not only to grow yourself, but to help others walk through that. We've been talking a lot about practicals. Okay, five things here, five practicals, but I don't want us to miss the heart. The heart of this message. I have four kids. I desperately want to see them grow as God has created them to be. I know from having four kids that they are all very unique and very difficult. Dif- difficult, yeah, <laughs> uh, I do know that. Different. different Um, and I know that and God has entrusted me to their care I don't just want cookie cutter kids I want to see them loved and grown as God has created them to be so that they are living that life I also know that God has entrusted to me a church filled with his children that he has uniquely shaped that he is uniquely wired that he has uniquely walked alongside through all these experiences And he desperately wants you to know him in a way that you know that he loves you so much. That he created you uniquely to fulfill the calling that he has for you. He loves you so much. That he is passionate about you. And some of you are here and you're young. And you have a lot of years ahead of you. I hope and I pray, pray for you. That this would be a season of life where you don't just kind of go through some church and religious stuff, but that you learn who God has created you to be and that you live with passion and purpose for him. Some of you are young in the faith and you're just learning this. You've been through lots of experiences, but God has that same message for you. Uh, Some of you are frustrated. Frustrated as you're trying to squeeze that shape into the wrong spot in life. And God wants to gently redirect you. Some of you have been in church for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and you haven't ever lived in the reality that God has uniquely shaped you. And now he wants to. Jesus is reason enough to. Jesus died for you that you would have a purpose and a passion in your days here on earth. His passion was for you, and he went to the cross that he would make us his workmanship, beginning with salvation and continuing to shape us as we go to be about his glory, to be about his purposes while we live out our days on this earth. So let's think about it. Let's reflect and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Let's bow our heads. God, you are amazing, amazing creator. God, so often we can look at creation, at the stars, at the depths of the seas, at the the mountains, at the animals, and we say, wow, God, you are an amazing creator. But God, how often we look in the mirror and we say, that's ugly. That doesn't fit in. That's not good enough. 
God, you created us uniquely to be a part of your big picture, to be a part of your glory. God, forgive us for times when we have not been serious about your glory. God, I pray that for each one of us today, that your spirit would come and you would, you would do a work, that we would see you, God, that we would see your greatness, and that we would hear your voice that speaks down and says, you are a beloved child. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I created you. You're my workmanship. Your heart is filled with the desires that I put in them. Yes, sin has marred them, and Jesus came to take care of that. But don't kill off what I've put in you. Grow, be who I've created you to be. God, restore our passion for you. Make your clearing calling clear. God, and where we're struggling with our past experiences, good, bad, ugly, would you remind us that you have always walked alongside us and you have led us to this day. God, you've led us to this day. You've led each person here to hear your voice. Speak to us now. Come by your spirit. Take these words and speak to us. Help us to know the way that we should go. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Today's a new day in you, Jesus.